Well, everyone, good morning to you guys. And once again, for the seventh week in a row, I'm gonna ask this camera, how are you guys doing out there? And I can't even believe it, it's week seven. I had to go back into my notes and check to see if it is indeed week seven. Because you guys know that we prepared and planned on doing church at home for four weeks in a row. We made that announcement on March 12th and we didn't really know where this coronavirus pandemic was going, but we decided right then and there to give ourselves four weeks. And now we find ourselves on week seven. And I'm gonna be honest, I found myself up and I found myself down. I found myself right in the middle, not up nor down. But I am right now, I can honestly say week seven, for a lot of reasons, I'm kinda digging it. I'm kinda okay with some things. I found some rhythms and some ways to make sure I don't go too low in ways that I continue to navigate forward. I do miss you guys. I'm sure we miss a lot of people and Facebook has helped us connect and Instagram, hopefully you found us on Facebook, Instagram or YouTube and obviously you're watching this or listening somehow and I wanna encourage you guys. This is such a unique time right now, this coronavirus. It's a, a forced staycation. I almost said stay or vacation, but it's not a vacation, it's a staycation. We're all staying put, sheltering in place. But I wanna say something to you because this wasn't our choice. It's not your choice, it's not my choice. The choice has been made for us. And so because the choice has been made for us, you can accidentally then continue to not make choices for yourself but instead you'll let other people dictate when you get up or when you go to bed or what you do with your time. And I wanna encourage you, maybe use a stronger word. I wanna exhort you, challenge you. Choices have been made for you that are outside of your control, but you also have dozens and dozens and a myriad of choices that are within your control to actually become better. You see, what has happened right now is things have changed around you. There's nothing you can do about that. Everything's Everything's changed and we don't know when we're getting back to normal or different. Everything's changed. But that doesn't guarantee or necessarily insinuate that you have yet grown. Change has happened, but have you grown? It's different. It's different. As a matter of fact, growth, growth's actually kind of complicated. Growth means that you're letting certain things down or die, and then you're picking other certain things up or bringing life to them. It's, it's an exchange. The Bible says casting off those works of darkness or casting off or dying to yourself and then letting the fruit of the Holy Spirit grow in you. And here is the warning. Right now, this is such a unique time. We get to not do anything. We're forced to rest. And we don't know how long this time is gonna last. And I'm praying that it actually doesn't last much longer for, for various reasons and obvious reasons, our economy and so many uncertain variables. And I want this to be done soon, but I'm gonna go out on a limb and I'm gonna say something I don't know if it's necessarily true, but I'll just go ahead and say it the way I'm thinking it. This is the only time in our lives that it'll ever be like this. It'll never be like this again. Okay, I, I don't know that for sure because who knows what the future holds, but this has never happened in our, in our short generational history. It's never been like this before. And if we get through this, man, so, so I say that because I don't want to waste this time. I want to become different. 
I want to let the Lord open up my heart. Now, I wish for the last seven weeks, okay, I've been making great gains in all things body, mind, and spirit, and I wish I would have known that this would have been seven weeks. I would have read a bunch more books. That's for sure. I don't think I've read any books yet. Don't tell anybody because I want to be a reader, but I, I don't. And I'm going to read some books. What are you guys challenging yourself to do? And I just want to exhort you guys because growth is optional, okay? Change is inevitable. It has already happened, but I want you guys to be pressing in. Now, here's the deal. There's lots of ways you can do this online. You can check in with us and check our new website. As a matter of fact, we don't have a new website out yet, but it's coming very soon. It's gonna make it easier for you guys to connect with us at South Beach Church. And in a couple weeks, we're so excited. There's gonna be a brand new app that comes out that's gonna allow us to interface and connect as well. Our guys are working super hard on that. Pastor Ryan, Pastor Bo, Pastor Marty, they're all putting that content together. Pastor Esai, so thankful for our team that is working. Also, our Celebrate Recovery is Zooming. They're having those video meetings for the men and the women every Tuesday night, beginning at 6.45, and then the group starts at 7. I've been telling people on Facebook, if you need to connect, you've been struggling, man, go to our Zoom meetings. It's Tuesdays at 6.45. Check this out, though. Let's say you're not struggling. You're actually doing good. Wouldn't that be so rad if you just logged in and just sat there on your computer and just listened to other people talk? And maybe the Lord would download wisdom from you to them. Jesus said, we'll see it in today's text, Acts 20. We'll get there in a little bit. That it's better to give than to receive. See, right now, so many of us are thirsty and we're looking for something because we're, we're needy consumers. And yet God has asked us to grow as Christians, not just to be consumers, but to be contributors. And so I want to ask you guys to go on to Zoom and check that out on Tuesdays. And also check this out. If you haven't gotten an email from Pastor Marty yet, it's because we don't have your email address. Email us right now at southbeachchurch at gmail.com. Give us your email address and we'll put you on our weekly newsletter. It's Pastor Marty's attempt to reach out to the body of Christ. And he has been doing a phenomenal job at connecting people to what's going on at South Beach Church. So let us know. There's all kinds of ways you guys can get connected. And man, keep reading through the New Testament with us. Our reading plan right now in April, this is a March printout because our, our April one's too big. It's on our fridge back there. My kids, myself, my family are going through the gospel of Matthew right now. And I just want to quickly, before we get into a time of worship, Pastor Ryan, our worship pastor, has uh, put together an amazing set of worship with some of my best friends, and it's going to be so fun to worship the Lord in just a minute. But today, I think it's April 26th, would be on the calendar, Sunday morning, you're going through in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 16. Again, you can go to southbeachchurch.org, download the April reading plan, and every five days we read five chapters in a row and take two days off. Check this out, though. I like to look ahead to Sunday and see what we're going to be enjoying in Matthew. Matthew 16. In Matthew 16, Matthew 16, Jesus is hanging out with the Pharisees. And they ask him something what he considered maybe crazy. They said, show us a sign. <laughs> and Jesus had been doing stuff. He's always doing stuff. And these guys, they show up and they say, show us a sign. So, so that way they would know if he's really the Messiah or not. And so Jesus gives him this parable and he says, when it's evening, you say it's fair weather for the sky's red and in the morning it'll be foul weather for the sky is dark and threatening. Listen to what Jesus says in verse three. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you can't discern the signs and times. And he goes on to rebuke them. Chapter 16, so crazy. He rebukes me, he says, guys, 
You know how to tell the weather. You can tell if it's going to be cloudy or if it's going to be nice based on what's going on. And I've already given you signs. And you guys are rejecting what I've already made plain to you. Now check it out. Matthew 16. Jesus then takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, which is up north near Damascus and Syria and Lebanon. It's the pagan country. And he takes them way up there. We're kind of like the crazy, it's like Portland, man. It was nuts. And he took them up there to Pioneer Square and he's sitting down there with some Starbucks. And Jesus asks his boys a life-changing, world-altering question. He says, Peter, boys, who, who do you say that I am? Who, who do you think that I am? Now, before he asked him this question, he said, who, who, what does the world think of me right now? And Peter said, some think you're John the baptizer and some Jeremiah, some Elijah and some of the prophets. And, and everyone's got this understanding of who you are and this guess. Did you know everyone has an opinion right now about Jesus Christ? Everybody has an opinion. Everybody, even you watching, scrolling through, watching right now, you, you think something about Jesus. And you better be right. Because you're either right or you're wrong. And if you don't get right, you're going to get left. And so Jesus wanted to make sure that everyone was right about who he was. So he asked his boys, what do they think? And they told him. And then he said, now, what do you think? And in Matthew chapter 16, right around verse 16, Simon Peter answered and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now look at what Jesus says. He said, Simon Peter, blessed are you. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. This is so fun. See, the Bible teaches that you and I are born with a natural mind. That is, we don't know and can't discern the things of God naturally. We must receive a new mind, a spiritual mind, to discern the things of the Spirit. And Peter, hanging with Jesus, had his mind renewed. And when asked point blank, who is Jesus Christ? He said, you're the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood, you didn't learn this on PBS or some website. You learned this because my father told you. And you who know Jesus, your knower beats with the heartbeat of heaven. You guys know who Jesus is. And this keeps you then focused on what is going on around us through the lens of heaven. You know Jesus is real. And if you know Jesus is real, God's going to build. He said to Peter, he's going to build on your life, the church that foundation. So what I want you guys to do is keep reading through the scriptures, connect with us. Don't give up ground. Take ground during this coronavirus shelter in place. It's nuts. And man, don't feel bad when you wake up with that natural mind pervading your space. That natural man, he's still there. He's been put to death, but he's still hanging around. And occasionally I got to deny myself and repent of the flesh and get back to walking with the Lord in the spirit. One of the best ways to do that is through worship, through pressing in, through fellowship, hanging out with Jesus, continuing to make time for him. This is what we're doing on Sunday morning or whenever your stream is, we're making time for Jesus. And so right now, if you are at your house and get ready to turn it up, we're gonna make time for Jesus and get into his presence and let him cleanse our souls. I'm gonna actually pray right now. So would you bow your heads and I'm just gonna ask God to usher us into his presence in worship. Lord, we love you. You have touched us. You have shown yourself to us. Lord, we believe you're in control. And even as those Pharisees back then, Lord, refused to look at the signs around them, but wanted more before they would react. Lord, I feel that you've given to us ample signs 
of your soon return, of your kingdom that is coming, of Lord, your spirit that is building his church now. And I would just offer this opportunity. If you, if you need to repent before worship and you haven't been mindful of the things of God, but instead the things of man, would you just repent? Say, Lord, I wanna be mindful of the things of God. Holy Spirit, would you help us? Would you give us that spiritual mind right now, Lord? I need to be renewed. Would you make us new as we go into your presence in worship? Cleanse us, wash us, remind us, strengthen us for this week to come. Thank you, God, for all you've done and all you are gonna do. We trust you. You're the way maker. Lord, you're the, the miracle worker. You're the one who, Lord, tears down lies and climbs up mountains and goes to whatever length necessary to rescue us. So do a work in us right now. We thank you for this time of worship. Help us to be set free, Lord, as we put our eyes upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Brought me out of darkness. 
everyone i hope you enjoyed that time of worship and you sensed the presence of the lord and connected with him i'm so thankful that god's spirit and the gospel is not chained that's what paul said in second timothy 
He said, I'm chained. I can't be with you, Tim. I can't be with the people I love. But the gospel is not bound to these chains. And it's really incredible that while we can't gather week in and week out and throughout the week, what God is being able to deliver through these broadcasts and through this video camera and through the worship and really the hearts behind it is so powerful and fulfilling. I'm so thankful for Pastor Ryan and our, our worship team and for our video team and the editors and for the resources that God's given to us. I hope you guys are encouraged. Here's the deal though. I want to encourage you further as we go through this week by week, not knowing what's going to happen next and not knowing when we're going to be able to gather right now. We just can't gather, but I'm actually confident that God is doing this. Listen, I'm going to say it. I don't think the coronavirus is from God at all, but I do believe this time of isolation is something that God has given to us as an opportunity to really make sure that our motives and our connectors to God are exactly where they need to be. That God is doing something in your heart and that you're not deceived by going to church and listening to Bible studies. James, Jesus' little brother said, don't just be a hearer only, go into church, but be a doer of the word. And so I believe that right now, God's given to us an opportunity to make sure that it's not Pastor Luke's faith that you're vicariously living through, but that it's your faith, that every single day you rise up. Lord, search my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting. God has shaken us up to wake us up, to make us up, to take us up. That's what he's doing in your life and in my life right now. So be encouraged. And the way I wanna encourage you today is by taking your Bibles to Acts chapter 20, and we're going to study God's word because I believe that it is indeed the light for our path, the lamp for our feet. It's the manna for our bodies, the nourishment for our souls. It's the sword of the spirit. And it's what you need today. One person wisely called it the B-I-B-L-E. That is basic instructions before leaving earth. Now check this out. Acts chapter 20, we need to get after it. Acts chapter 20, Paul has been in Ephesus for a couple years teaching and preaching. Things got so hot and heavy there in Ephesus that the people who didn't love Jesus, they didn't want Paul there anymore. So Paul had to leave. Their pastor wasn't with them anymore. And so Pastor Paul called the rest of the elders, the leaders there in Ephesus, to meet him on the beach of Miletus, right there in verse 17 of chapter 20. And the reason he called the elders there is because he knew that he wasn't going to be able to meet with the folks anymore and hang out with them at Starbucks and meet them there at Ultra Life and walk with them at the Pirate Park. He couldn't do it. And so he said, I'm going to give you the next best thing. I'm going to give to you a pastor's heart. I'm gonna to give to you the encouragement from God's word that you might know exactly what to do during this time of, listen, isolation. You see, guys, God has not left us without a roadmap and without equipment and resources. And so we're gonna study this out. Now, I hope you're taking notes, got some paper there. And if you're watching one of the live streams, we're not gonna pause, we're just gonna keep going. But if you're playing it back, hit pause. Write down some of these thoughts that the Lord is going to reveal to us through Pastor Paul's sermon to the church there at Ephesus and, and the churches there around that region of Galatia so we might apply it to our own lives. I'm just going to say a quick prayer and ask God to bless us as we get settled in. Lord, we're going to study your word because we believe, Lord, that you have given it to us, 
that we might have the equipment necessary to live our lives, even right now, 2,000 years after it was written. For the Bible says that your word is alive and active, that it's anointed and ready, that it discerns the thoughts and intentions of our hearts, that it doesn't return void, but instead accomplishes what you have sent it out to do. So even today, Lord, cleanse us if indeed we need cleansing. Encourage us if we need encouragement. Strengthen us if we need strength, Lord. Lead us if we need that guidance. Save us if we need that saving. Lord, whatever it is we need in our lives, we're gonna find it in your word. We ask this now in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Check this out. Paul takes this time to assemble the elders from Ephesus and the surrounding regions. And he calls them to himself in verse 17. I'm just gonna rip through this, guys, because we don't have very much time. We have lots of time, but not that much time, because I take a lot of time. But let's listen. Look at verse 17. It says, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, and he called for the elders of the church. Verse 18 says, and when they had come to him, he said to them, and then he goes into his teaching. My first point is that Paul posts up at the beach at Miletus, and he sends a direct message somehow, some way, to the leaders then, the church, the men, the ones in charge. And he says, meet me at the beach. In order for them to meet Paul at the beach, this would require two things. Number one, availability, write that down. And number two, sacrifice. It would require those two things in tandem. And right now for you to navigate forward as a believer, as a Christian, and to be successful during this time of isolation where things aren't going the way that you want them to, and even beyond isolation when we're back to our normalcy, you're gonna need these two things as well. You're gonna need availability and sacrifice. As a matter of fact, God has given different gifts to each Christian in varieties of ways. Every Christian's gifted differently. You've probably figured this out. You might have some gifts and I have some gifts. And one of the things that goes through our minds though is, well, I can't do that. I don't have that gift, gift of worship or prophecy or teaching or healing. I don't have, can I just tell you that the greatest ability in Christianity is availability, that you would avail yourself to the Lord, that you would be available to him to be used by him so God can work through you for his glory and for other people's good. As a matter of fact, Jesus taught a parable that when the sower sows the word, there are four different types of soil. And one of those soil types was the thorny soil where there was growth, there was a plant, but there was no fruit because it was choked out by the cares of this world. That availability, it, it didn't happen because of the things in our world. And let me just give you four quick things to write down, things that will choke up and creep up in your life and keep you from producing fruit when God wants to call you to the beach to meet with him. The number one thing I see in my life and others as well is possessions. The things around us, man, they just choke out our lives. And man, I like having good things when I can afford them. And I don't have a problem with other things that you might have in your garage. But here's the problem is when your things, not that you have them, but when they have you. Possessions. Possessions, not just possessions, but some of the things in our lives that get in the way are not possessions only, but vocations. I have met people that want to be fruitful in their Christian journey and want to be available, but man, they just get too caught up in climbing the corporate ladder, or too involved in the things that work. Can I just encourage you? You got to work. The Bible says no worky, no eaty. Okay. Working is good. You got to feed your family. And I understand all that, but be careful. Maybe during this time of isolation, take it intro inspection and inventory. Lord, of the things in my life, the blessings, the good things, have they become bad things and weights and hindrances? Or what about my vocation? Is this really 
what you want me to do with my life. The third thing is relationships. Sometimes relationships and relationships are important. If you're a husband or if you're a wife, God has called you to love your wife and love your husband and to raise your kids. But sometimes you gotta be the judge of your own heart. There are things in your life, relationships, that just get in the way and they don't allow you to then, listen, be available. The fourth thing, and this is something that maybe gets tucked into all these other aspects, is fear. Fear. I don't really want to help out with the Lord. I don't want to grow deeper because I'm just afraid. And there's two fears that come up all the time in my life. The fear of failure. That is, if I try something for the Lord or go to a life group or begin to do a Bible study, I might fail at it or maybe evangelism won't work for me. The other fear is not just the fear of failure, listen, but the fear of success. What do you mean by that, Pastor Luke? What I mean is this. Well, I don't want to grow in my Christianity and make it my own because I might actually succeed at it and then become invested in the things of God. Well, I don't want to have a life group because then people are going to come over to my house and want to have a life group. Listen, write these things down. Consider it deeply. In order to be a Christian, in order to produce fruit, in order to make it on your own, you've got to be available. Then you also have to have sacrifice. Did you know for these guys to go to the beach of Miletus, they would have to walk 20 or 30 miles just to get there? That'd be like me walking all the way to Yahats to hear Pastor Rory preach. It'd be crazy. Like, Rory's going to have a Bible study. Hey, Luke, would you walk to Yahats? Well, I guess if the Lord's calling me to, I would. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Years and years ago, a good friend of mine and now Pastor P.K. Hallinan was at the Applegate Christian Fellowship. And he approached John Corson and he said, I want to become an elder here at Applegate. What do I do? And John Corson said to him, I want you to come to church and I want you to start elding. I want you to start praying for people. Pray for people at every service and begin to minister to them. P.K. looked at John and said, that sounds great. I'd love to do that. Which service do you want me to go to? John looked at him and said, all of them. Now, at that time, Applegate was running five Sunday services. And PK thought to himself, and he shared the story in a message, all five services? And the reality is, guys, you got to sacrifice. You got to be available for the things of God. We're so soft. We're such a consumer-based Christianity at this time in our lives. And I want the Lord to search my heart. And I want him to be able to say, Luke, are you willing to sacrifice for me? Are you willing to show up early, stay late, and say yes to everything? Guys, verse 17, he sent for the elders, verse 18, and when they had come to him, he said this. He goes on, you know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. He now begins his sermon, and he says, guys, remember the first day I showed up three years ago? That very first day, I had my Bible in my hand, had my Jesus' real hoodie on, and from that day, I made it known that I was a Jesus freak, that I was a Christian. We call this a first impression. And I wanna encourage you guys who are desiring to grow in your Christianity and excel during these days of isolation. When you start a new job or maybe when school begins for you guys back in, in September and when your next event happens, make sure and go on record as soon as possible that you're a Christian from the beginning. Sometimes the temptation is as Christians is to not let others know we're a Christian. We don't pray before we eat or we don't identify ourselves in that way. Why? Well, in order to kind of play our cards carefully and see how it might serve us in the end. Paul says, remember when I showed up to Ephesus? <laughs> I was all about Jesus from the beginning. And I want you who are believers 
to fly your flag at the top of the pole. People need to know you're a Christian. Not just in the way you go to church on Sundays or some of the other things that identify you, but that you're a believer. Paul says, hey, from the very beginning, look at verse 19. He says, and I was serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. Stop right there, eyes up here. There's just so many secret nuggets of success for Pastor Paul to share with those leaders then and for us to glean from now. Number one, he says here, when I was there serving for three years in Ephesus, I wasn't serving you. I wasn't serving the church. Did you see what he said? I was serving the Lord. This is paramount for you who are married in Jesus' name, for you who are raising your kids in Jesus' name, for you who are Christians in Jesus' name. It is all about Jesus. He is your foundation and your connection. It's all... Let me give you an example. Some people say, I want to serve in Sunday school. Why? Well, because I love kids. Okay, well, give yourself two or three weeks and you're going to hate kids. You know what I'm saying? Because kids are crazy. You can't serve kids because you love kids. You can serve kids in Sunday school because you love Jesus. You'll be very successful. You'll you'll go very far. Same with leading worship or evangelizing. And you might say, I want to just go on a mission trip because I have such a heart for the lost. And you should have a heart for the lost. But really, it's serving the Lord Jesus that will motivate you, that will keep you, that will cause you to keep going no matter what. I'm going to be honest with you. There are lots of days I don't want to do the things God's called me to do because horizontally, it just doesn't feel great and hasn't worked the way I wanted it to. And yet the Lord looks at me and says, Luke, would you do it for me? Yeah, I totally would. I'll repent. I'll commit. I'll show up. I'll love again for you, Jesus. I'll do it for you. And he says here, serving the Lord. He says, with all humility. Guys, this is one of the ways that's going to keep you moving forward and successful in the ministry to your family and to this community. Humility. Paul had more credentials more gifts and more abilities than all of us combined. If anybody were to walk around with a shroud of pride, it would be Paul. And yet he said, no, that doesn't work that way. Instead, you have to humble yourself and esteem others as better than yourselves. Guys, right now, pride is esteemed in our culture. We gauge each other and we we examine one another and we compare ourselves The Bible teaches us to esteem others as better than ourselves. If you want to be successful during this quarantine time, okay, ask the Lord to give you great humility and esteem others as better than yourself. He says also here in verse 19, given his own testimony, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. Paul says, guys, every day was hard. Every day there was a trial. Every day there was a test. Every day there was some tears. And I just need to underscore, walking with Jesus, okay, Nowhere in the Bible does it say it's going to be easy. As a matter of fact, on the contrary, it says if you want to walk with Jesus, be prepared to be persecuted. Be prepared to go through trials and various testings. That your genuineness of your faith, being more precious to God than gold that perishes by fire, would be found to be genuine. So, guys, Paul puts this out there. If it's been tough for you, you might be on the right 
path. He wants to encourage us in these things. Verse 20, he says, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. (laughs) I'm so thankful for Pastor Paul. He says this in this short teaching, Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through the end. He says three separate times, I proclaimed it to you. I kept nothing back. In a few verses, he'll say, I gave you everything I had. I kept nothing back. And again, he'll say, and I kept nothing back. I gave it all to you. I think this is important because there are things in the Bible that I like to read. They're highlighted and underlined in my Bible. There are other things in the Bible that, eh, I just uh, confusing or maybe convicting portions. And I, I don't necessarily in my flesh like them as much. Paul says, I didn't pick and choose. I gave it all to you, everything that was helpful, not just the good stuff, but all the stuff. See, here's my conviction. I believe it takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. The Old Testament, the New Testament, all of it. It takes the whole thing to to make sense in, in any one way, shape, or another. I knew a friend one time who said he loved God. I'm not sure where that stemmed from, but he took his Bible and he paper clipped Peter's letters together so he wouldn't accidentally read them. And he took all of Paul's letters and he paper clipped those together as well so he wouldn't accidentally read those. He didn't like what Peter and Paul had to say about submission to the government and paying taxes and some other things. And I say, no, that's probably the stuff that you need to read the most. Here's why I like being a part of Calvary Chapel churches is Calvary Chapel has made a commitment to teaching through the entirety of the scriptures, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. And in so doing, we give ourselves this platform of not ignoring any scriptures and instead taking it all in. Some churches teach about the Bible. Some churches teach from the Bible. Then there are churches that just teach the Bible. That's our goal. And not just this church, but I hope it's your goal. Hope you're reading through the scriptures and letting God sift your heart because you need to hear it all. Some people don't like terms and doctrines like judgment or condemnation or all these things that only can come from God and his authority and his understanding. But we need to know these doctrines because they help balance out everything that God has given to us. One time, my good friend Eddie Townsend called me and he said, Luke, I'm on my way to the Wild Goose Saloon to do open mic. Would you meet me there? And I thought, well, man, if I have to, I will. You know, I'll go there. Man, the Wild Goose Saloon in Ashland, Oregon, this place was crazy town. We're talking full-on biker bar saloon. And I remember we got there. I'll make the story short. I've told this before. But Eddie Townsend was called up to do open mic. And the guy said, all right, everyone, it's open mic. And anything goes. So we're going to let this guy, Eddie Townsend, and do whatever he wants and then go ahead and clap for him. And they clapped. And at this point, I'm looking around and I'm identifying where the exits are, you know, and how I can get out of this place. And, and Eddie Townsend gets up and he says, all right, everyone, you all have heard the gospel of God's love and of his grace and of his kindness. Now, right about then, a guy to my right began to heckle Eddie, just kind of under his breath with his group. He'd been drinking and he began to make fun of Eddie's message of love and God's grace. And Eddie began to continue teaching his message. And he says, well, I'm here to tell you the other side of the coin. That is the white throne judgment seat found in Revelation chapter 20. Now, when he said that, I began to think to myself, you know what I'm going to do? 
I'm just going to go ahead and start up the car. I'll be outside, Eddie. I'm going to go make sure we got the car running, you know, because he was preaching on judgment. And Eddie and Open Mike talked about the goodness of God and the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. But he also talked about the severity of God, the judgment of God, that God is not mocked. You're going to reap what you sow. And there will be a day, there will be a day of judgment. You see, Jesus talked about heaven because it's real. And he talked about hell because it's real. And Jesus came to die on the cross that we could go to heaven and avoid hell. And because of this fact, these doctrines, Jesus came to give it all to us. And when Eddie gave this doctrine of hell and of condemnation, you know what he ended with? He said, you know what though? You can avoid it. You can avoid it by giving your life to Jesus Christ, by being saved and forgiven from your sins. Now, when he was saying this and wrapping up his message, the guy on my right who'd been heckling him began to nod his head and agree. Yep, he's right. He's right. I couldn't believe it. And when Eddie was done, they clapped and they cheered. Eddie gave them the full truth. And I, I want to be the same. I want to be guilty of the same for my family, for our congregation. And listen, for myself. When I read the scriptures and I find myself convicted because it's telling Luke for Shet, he's out of his lane. I don't want to haul pass for my own flesh. I need to be held accountable. Paul says here, I held back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught it publicly and from house to house. I like this picture. Paul was willing to teach it on live stream and publicly, but he was also teaching it from house to house. That is in his own house and in the friends' houses that he lived in. I got three kids and every morning we have developed a habit where they read the Psalm of the day and the Proverb of the day and the five by five reading of the day. And they're reading the scriptures all the way. They're reading the Bible. And recently, I just implemented a new kind of action step. I said, okay, guys, new rule. As you read through daily, I want you to pick one verse out of those three different areas. And I want you to share it with me and the rest of our family uh, why you enjoyed that verse or what stuck out to you. And, And so my kids have been coming to me every morning now saying, Dad, this is the verse that I read today that I kind of enjoyed and stuck out to me and doing little teachings on it. And I'm tricking my kids into being Bible teachers. It's kind of cool. And, and, And I want my kids to, from house to house and publicly, wouldn't that be a tragedy if I went to South Beach Church or put together these sermons for you guys and for people online, but it wasn't happening from home to home or heart to heart. See, Paul said, I I did it everywhere. It wasn't just public where people saw me. It was legit in my home. Paul goes on to instruct these guys then so they could instruct the church there so we could also be instructed now. Verse 21, he says, testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, listen, this is his message, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) This is so important. Paul's getting ready to leave and he's putting the church in the hands of the people saying, guys, this is the message. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What was his message? His message was, listen, 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 listen. (sighs) Turn your life over to God. Get closer to God and he'll do the rest. Give your life to the Lord and he'll clean you up. You see, so many Christians are guilty of saying, clean your life up and then give your life to God. Get it all figured out and become legalistic and go through these four spiritual laws and figure it out and then 
go to the Lord. Romans 2.4 says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. When the prodigal son realized he had blown his life up, it was the kindness of his dad that led him to go back to his father's home, realizing that God had not given to him up and given up on him, but God would take him back. See, Christianity gets a bad rap from time to time. That Christians are only against many, many things. They're against this type of lifestyle and they're against that activity and they're against this thought process and they're against these things. And let's be honest, there are things that the Bible says, careful, those will take you down. And we are against those things. But the primary message is turning to God. Because if you give your life over to God and you taste of his goodness and his glory and his kindness, if you taste of those things, listen, giving up the things of this world, walking differently, it's actually a joy. The Bible says that the commandments of God are not burdensome. In other words, walking with God, that's not heavy. I'll tell you what's heavy. Walking in rebellion against God, being against the Lord, that'll mess you up. And by the way, there's no more miserable person in the world than a lukewarm Christian. That is, you have enough of God in your life, okay, to know how good he is, but you also have enough of the world in your life to not enjoy the Lord. But you also have enough of the Lord in your life to not really enjoy the world. You're completely upside down. And so if you're a Christian here today, you know what you need? And if you're not a Christian here, you too. You need to have faith toward Jesus and repentance toward God. I told this story before, but I feel like telling it again. My dad, jo- Joe Frechette, <laughs> love you, dad. It's home watching right now. Jo- Joe Frechette was a drug dealing and drug smoking hippie back in the hippie days in the 60s. And he went to this commune, this hippie farm, and the people running it were born again Christians. My dad didn't know that at the time and became friends with them. And in a heart-to-heart conversation with one of the leaders, he said, you guys are different. What, what's, what's the deal? And this guy said to my dad, Joe, he said, we're born-again Christians. We love Jesus. He's forgiven us of our sins, and he's our king. And this guy went on to invite my dad to get saved. Joe, would you like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Would you like him to forgive you of your sins? And my dad, being Joe Frechette that he is, says, well, I don't want to quit doing drugs. And the guy looked at him and said, I didn't ask about that. That's not the question on the table. The question on the table is, do you want Jesus, the real Jesus, coming into your life and changing you from the inside out? My dad's no dummy. And so he said, yeah, I'll take it. And Jesus Christ changed my dad's life, regenerated his spirit, forgave him of his sins. Listen, miracle, not everyone experiences exactly the same way. But the Holy Spirit cleansed my dad in such a way that he began to take away those desires for drugs and the things of the world and the desire for those things of the sinful life that my dad had lived for so long were undone immediately. How? By getting closer to Jesus. Guys, Paul's message to the church at Ephesus, your message, my message, isn't against this and against that and we hate this and we're gonna picket that and riot here and protest there. No, no. Give your life to Jesus. Truly get to know him and he will take you right where you're at and he will change your life. Look at verse 22 and just a few more verses to go here. He says, and see now, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, 
except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. Stop right there, eyes up here. Paul knows where he's going and he knows it's gonna have sacrifice and it's gonna find himself walking in pain. He says, see now I go bound, verse 22, in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that are gonna happen to me there, except the chains and tribulation await me. It's almost like Paul saying, I don't know what's gonna happen, but it's gonna have chains and tribulation. Like, which one is it, Paul? Do you, do you know or do you not know? And yet Paul said, you know what? I'm bound in the spirit. And can I just say to my fellow brothers and sisters, in Jesus' name, would you too be bound in the spirit? Would you be bound in the things of God, no matter what the future holds? Would you be found to honor Jesus Christ and to serve him and to work for him, to be available and to sacrifice? The only way you're gonna do this is to be able to have that heavenly perspective, that eternal mindset in a temporary journey right now, keeping your eyes focused on the things to come. Paul said, as he wrote to the Hebrews, keep your eyes on Jesus, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners, lest you yourselves become discouraged and weary in your souls. Verse four, he says, you ain't bleeding yet. Let me just encourage you guys. Paul would bleed, but he would stay the course. How would he do this? Look at verse 24. He says, but none of these things, that is these chains and tribulations, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I might finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, none of these things move me. I know that my time is short and I know that there is pain in my future, eh. but it doesn't move me. Why? Because I don't hold my life dear to myself. Let me just go ahead and make this obvious conclusion. We love our lives, do we not? And we're so pumped on ourselves we got profiles and we got websites and we got all these ideas about ourselves and we see ourselves as influencers and leaders and careful, careful. It is yourself and the love of self that will lead you to a fruitless life. Matter of fact, years and years ago, they came out with a magazine in the 50s called Life. Just all about life, you know, and before that, the popular magazine was just time, you know, and life and time. And a few years later, a decade later in the 70s, a new magazine came out, People. Let's not talk about time and life. Let's talk about people. And then pretty soon, a new magazine came out called Us. And then the magazine came out called Self. And they even have magazines come out called Me. And now we're in the iPod, iPad, I, I. You guys know the deal. Let me give you a prescription though for success, okay? Humility isn't thinking down on yourself or even less of yourself, you know, woe is me. You know what humility is? It's actually not thinking of yourself at all. Just get over yourself. Don't think of yourself at all. I've said this over the years, that if you want to be depressed, just think about yourself some more. I guarantee you. Think about yourself in the morning, noon, and at night, and you'll find yourself depressed throughout the day. But if you want to be delivered from depression, okay, don't think about yourself anymore. Think about somebody else. Think about others. Think about the kingdom of God. Think about those who have less than you. Think about those who are suffering. If you suffer with depression, it's because you're inward focused. I guarantee you. Think about other people. 
Paul said, I'm ready to go to Jerusalem and give my life to death. Why? Because <laughs> I'm not worried about myself. I'm worried about other people. And it set him free to be the man that he would be. None of these things, verse 24, move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself. Why? Listen, he says it right here. So that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel, the grace of God. How much joy do you have in your life? Joy. Joy. I've said it before. Some people bring joy whenever or should I say it this way? Some people bring joy wherever they go. Everywhere they go, they bring joy. And some people only bring joy whenever they go. It really depends on the message you carry with you and the person that God has made you to be. Paul said, I want to finish my race with joy, with absolute perspective on the things of God. I don't count my life dear to myself. Verse 25, he says, and indeed now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Interesting. We're suffering with isolation and separation. It is a choice made for us. Paul here is making this choice for himself. He says, guys, I, I could stay here in Ephesus. Things are going great. It's not going to happen. This is the end of the road. I won't see you anymore. At the end of this chapter, we won't get there today. They weep and cry because they knew this is the last time they'd see their friend Paul. And yet, the gospel, the joy, the purpose, the path, the plan, the things that God had already put in motion superseded all of that. This is the main message today and right now at week seven in Corona, that we wouldn't get so bogged down and myopic with our little temporary lives, that we wouldn't get so distracted by our collapse of the economy and things that are real and really happening now. Guys, we are eternal beings having a temporary human experience. We are eternal spirit beings and this whole thing called life is temporary it's short don't get it twisted and don't lose perspective he goes on in verse 26 saying therefore i testify to you this day that i am innocent of the blood of all men for i have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of god paul once again says i'm just like the mailman I give you the good mail, the birthday cards. I also give you the bills. I let you know what's really going on. I've given to you the full message. And I want to be a Christian who's guilty of delivering the message of God to everyone. But listen, I'm also receiving the message of God from him. He goes on in verse 28 saying this, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I like the therefore in verse 28 because it's therefore a reason. Paul's saying, guys, I've done my part. I've got you where you're at. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to the flock of God. You see, as moms and dads and leaders and men and women and young and old, the reality is we've got to feed ourselves spiritually We've got to prepare ourselves mentally. We've got to take care of ourselves perfectly so that way God can then use us to take care of the people around us. Maybe you're waiting for the government to lift the isolation bans and to allow things to get back to normal. So, so am I, so am I. But right now, don't wait 
to take care of the things that God wants you to take care of. He wants you to grow. He wants you to press in. He wants you to decide to do that. Yesterday we had a staff meeting on our Zoom apps there and it was so fun talking with the staff and hearing from them the wisdom of God about growth and the difference between growth and change. Change again is inevitable, just happens, but growth is optional. Growth is a choice we make. And in order to grow, some of the things that came up and I just wrote down as I was listening to the staff members and the pastors, that growth is something you have to decide to do. I gotta decide to do it. I gotta identify a weakness, an area in my life that's deficient, and I gotta decide to press in, to invest, to receive. I gotta surround myself with other men and women, people that are smarter than me and and stronger than me and more spiritual than me. I gotta learn from them. The other thing that came up is that reality that I've gotta be able to put down the childish tendencies and the ways of my flesh in order to pick up the things that God wants for me. Paul exhorts us, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He goes on in verse 29, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Guys, with tears flowing, Paul warns the church, this isn't always going to be easy. This isn't always going to be fun. It's not always going to be cool videos with great music. Pastor Ryan, you do such a good job making these videos and great music and all. There's going to be difficult days. Savage wolves are going to rise up. People are going to try and come in and mess with you. And here in Lincoln County, and maybe you're watching from a different town, but even here in Lincoln County, man, it's a battle. It's a battle to stay right, to not get weird. And this warning comes to bring us that sobriety and that soberness of mind that we would pray for one another. We'd pray for ourselves. Jesus, when he was at the Last Supper with his disciples, he said, one of y'all is gonna betray me. And it was a banner moment for the disciples. They all look around. And what they say under their breath, is it me? (laughs) Is it I? I could have seen them blaming each other and doing that whole jockeying for position thing that they do, but instead they realized, I hope it's not me. And Paul gives this warning, even from among you guys, there's going to be some that are going to come. Therefore, verse 31, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone day and night with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul goes on with a few final thoughts, but this is the one I wanna conclude with today. Paul says, I'm leaving, and I commend you to the grace of God. What is the grace of God? It's God's riches at Christ's expense, G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. I'm commending you. This was the Gentile church at Ephesus. They were, they were not a bunch of people who'd grown up with the Old Testament and understanding of the law and what God expects. But instead, they'd been saved from themselves by grace and by grace alone, lest any of them should boast. But instead, it was a free gift of God. And it was that understanding of God's grace in their lives, that God loved them and had forgiven them and accepted them just as they were. That was the grace that Paul commended them to, that would be able to keep them and to grow them. And I'm telling you what, right now, the grace of God is what you need in your life. 
Understand that when Jesus died on that cross, he absorbed the wrath of God for your sin and for my sin as well. And it's that grace that's going to keep you going, that's going to get you out of bed, that's going to deliver you from those vices and those weaknesses and from that stinking thinking. That grace of God is what's going to grow you and allow you to be the leader and the mom or dad or the person you're supposed to be. It's not the law, but it's the law fulfilled in Jesus. This is what he gave to them. He says, guys, I'm leaving now. You don't have me here. I'm not there. You need to connect with grace. The grace that teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. And here's my challenge in closing. I love Bible studies and I love gathering and I love being busy. I like doing stuff. So do you. Here's the deal though. God has taken all that away for a season. We can't do any of that. But what we can do is make sure that we are agents of grace, that we understand better now than ever before God's goodness apart from our own works, God's goodness apart from what we can and cannot do. Lest there be any distractions in your own life or things that are keeping you from actually connecting with God. Maybe you have a Jesus's real mug or a shirt or a journal or something and yet the Lord says, I don't really know you. I want you to know me. I want you to know my grace. I want you to know my goodness. I want you to come deeper in with me. So I'm going to give you a forced staycation so you might grow in, listen, the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Second Peter ends that letter telling you and I. So I'm going to ask you guys to pray with me now, and I'm going to commend you and commend me to the grace of God, which is able to keep us and to grow us. I'm going to ask you guys to pray with me as I ask God to make these truths bear fruit in our life. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for Paul, who saw the signs in the times that he wasn't going to be able to meet with the church anymore. And so he wanted the church to know what to do in light of that reality, that they might grow and be fruitful, that they wouldn't get picked off or distracted or detoured. And so he gave them his heart. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, you would continue to give us that simple understanding that it is the grace of God that teaches us to deny ungodliness, that teaches us, Lord, of your goodness, that woos us back to you, that helps us to understand the ways of this world. They'll never satisfy, but the ways of God are what we're truly made to enjoy and go after. And if you're watching right now and, and you need the grace of God in your life, you need to be forgiven and set free. You've been doing things your own way and you're all discombobulated and confused and you need God's grace right now. Would you just humble yourself and raise up your hand and say, God, would you give me your grace? Raise up your hand right now. Grace in my life. Just download it into my account. Forgive me of my sins. Maybe you've been distracted and you're not a bad person, but you're not a committed person. You don't have that sacrifice or that availability. Raise your hand right now if you just need God's grace because you're not available to him. You're not available. You're a Christian, but you're not being used. You're not ready to sacrifice. Your, your job's gotten in the way or your possessions have gotten in the way. Maybe relationships or fears have gotten in the way. Raise up your hand right now if you just need God's grace. You don't want to waste your life. Lord, you see the hands that are up right now and the homes all over in Jesus' name. Would you bless them? Just bless them right now. Give him grace for the day, Lord, this wonderful day. We're watching this online, church at home. You can put your hands down right now 
And maybe you're watching this and you're not even sure you're saved. Not even sure you're a Christian. You don't know, you've read other books and you're, you're not a bad person, but listen, Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you and I'll be back. And when I come back, I'll take you to be with me. If it weren't so, I would have told you so. Jesus went on in John 14 to say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to that place except through me. And if you haven't made that decision yet to be a Christian, but today you want to do it on week seven of Corona, or March, April 26, whatever the day is, and you're watching this, would you right now just raise up your hand by confession that you believe that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, that he died and was buried in the tomb, that when he died, his sacrifice on the cross was sufficient for your sins, and that he lives in heaven right now. He's preparing a place for you. Raise your hand if that's what you want to accept that in Jesus' name. Lord, you see the hands that are up, people getting saved. Would you do a mighty work in their hearts? Forgive them of their sin. Restore, Lord, the years that have been lost and stolen. Do a mighty work. We thank you, God, for all you've done. You can put your hands down. And Lord, would you continue to guide and direct our nation, our president, Lord, our governor, Lord, would you help the small business owners and small restaurant owners, Lord, and teachers and students and athletes, Lord, all over the place. Everyone's just so, would you help the first responders in hospitals that are overwhelmed in other regions? And we pray, Lord, you protect Lincoln County and protect, Lord, Oregon. And we thank you for all you've done. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ. Do a mighty work in us, we ask. Lord, help us to stay close to you during this time. We thank you for all you've done. We believe in you. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us. We're going to be putting out content this week as well. Don't forget to share this and write in the comment section below there on this video, in this together, hashtag in this together, and take a picture with your watch party, put that online, and share with us your prayer requests. You can send those to southbeachchurch at gmail.com. You can also go on our website and find out everything that's going on about giving and all that is listed there at southbeachchurch.org. You can give us a call at 541 It'll go to a voicemail. We'll get your phone uh, message and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. I love you guys. I miss you. Don't forget drive-through prayer also. Thursdays, when the weather's good, Thursdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And other than that, keep praying, keep pressing in, keep taking ground. Don't give up ground to the enemy, but instead ask God to search your heart and make a new pathway for you and him to walk daily. I love you guys. God bless you. We'll see you just as soon as we can. 